Clunatics. It's me, Kirk Graves. Remember? From the podcast? Anyway, this isn't an official episode of the podcast. The producers and I are taking some time to work on future episodes, but I didn't want to leave you high and dry in the meantime, so today I'm sharing with you a few bits and pieces from interviews I've done that didn't make it into the final episodes we've produced so far. These are presented to you with minimal editing, so you'll get a chance to hear what it's like when an interviewee and I just get to talking. Up first is a conversation I had with TJ about his favorite Cluniverse couple that then became about what content is and isn't appropriate for certain books. I thought it was interesting to get this glimpse into how TJ is evolving as a writer, not just in his craft, but also in his potential audience. Here we go. So, who is your favorite romantic pair in all of your writing? That sounds like picking a favorite child. And although if I were a parent, I could probably do that and not feel bad about it, really. I, I don't know if I could really... I could fall back on, on saying Gus and Casey just because I love that book so much and I love Gustavo Tiberius so much. But... Honestly, I, if I had to give it up for one for one pairing in the out of everything that I've written, it's probably going to be Sam of Wilds and Ryan Foxhart from the Lightning Shark Heart, because that book was something that I needed to write at the time when that book was written. I had not written anything in a long time, and I was sad and upset and depressed and. Everything sucked. So when I sat down to write The Lightning Struck Heart, <clears throat> I remember it. It was in the fall of 2014. And I decided to say, hey, I'm just going to write something that's the craziest and stupidest thing I've ever written. So I sat down and not having written anything in like close to six, seven months, I sat down one day and wrote 15,000 words in one day on that book. And it was something that I needed. It was necessary for me and I needed a reason to smile. And that book gave me a reason to smile again. And I am eternally grateful for the opportunities that series has afforded me. And Ryan and Sam are at the forefront of that. And it's the reason why I wrote three more books in that series after that. It was just because I love that world and them so much that I, I wanted to stay in it as long as possible. And of course, I got sick of them by the time the, <laughs> I wrote the Destiny of Dragons and Consumption of Magic and A Wish Upon the Stars back to back to back. That was almost 500,000 words that I wrote in the space of eight months. And so I got so sick of them by the very end that I said, if I'm going to go back to that, I, it's going to be a long, long time in the future. And now here we are in the future. And I've started writing in that world again. And how appropriate that that would be your favorite, because in this story, they are actually shipped. Right. Like, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's something that I'm having fun with going back and, and playing around in that world again, even though I'm, I'm a bit rusty. I've, I've grown as a writer in the last few years, and I've, I've had to tell myself not to be so stiff and to allow myself to not be as PC as I normally am with things that I write, because that, that those books are offensive. <laughs> They're offensive to some people. And that's, I, I don't want to say that's okay, but that's not something that I necessarily 
feel too bad about because it's not it's not meant to be taken super seriously and I've I've gotten some responses from people that weren't happy with some of the things that I said and did in those books, but I own it. Those are my books, and and while anything that I write may not be, you know, something that I always agree with or that I hold in my own beliefs, I still think that people sometimes take things too seriously, and I I have started doing the same, especially since I started going into the whole YA realm and. Something that I remember I, I wrote, I can't remember what the exact line was, but I wrote something that I thought was funny. It was just a stupid a side joke. And the sensitivity reader from Tor said, oh, you can't say stuff like that. And I said, oh, okay, I won't. And then I remember, <clears throat> I remember I wrote that something like, oh, even, even, even a blind man could see that. And they said that that's, that's offensive to blind people. So I had to take that out. And I said, oh, okay. I, don't, I guess I don't want to offend an entire community of, of blind people. So we'll take that out. And there's just all these little things that, that people could potentially find at one point maybe offensive that everybody wants to be prepared for. And I understand that. I get that. I, I get that we are a place where we have to be careful but at the same time, I also am like, but do we really have to be that strict about every single little thing? No matter what you do, somebody's always going to be offended by something. And I, I have to try to find the line that I can walk with being true to what I want to write, but also not wanting to offend entire groups of people. And unfortunately, the, or fortunately, I don't know, either way, the, the Tales from Verania series is not for the faint of heart, I guess you could say. Like, I remember somebody said that they had, they had never read any of my books before. And they were wondering whether they should start with Into This River I Drown or The Lightning Struck Heart. And I said, no, you have to work up to both those books. You, can, you can't just jump in head first to Into This River I Drown, which is like the angstiest thing ever written or the lightning struck heart, which is like one of the most offensive things ever written. You, you, you kind of have to work your way up to those things with me. If you're going to want to read my books. I, it makes me think of when I work with my forensic students, you know, sometimes a piece will have a swear word in it and it's always their decision ultimately, but it's always like, well, do you want to take the chance that because of this one word, the rest of the work that you do in the piece gets discounted because somebody was offended by one word. Right. And you know, now that you are going to be a huge commercial success and there's tons of people working to promote your books, I guess it makes sense that they would want to make sure that there's no obstacles for potential readers. Right. Don't because give them a reason. Gonna, somebody's going to read like the sweet, nice kindness of, of the house in this really and see and be like, oh, I wonder what else he's written. And then they're going to read <laughs> the Tales from Veradia series and be like, okay. That's why now on my website, on each of the book pages, I have ages, age ranges for what the books are good for. And the Lightning mm. Struck Heart specifically says, do not read this if you're, if you're under the age of 18, <laughs> even though I would read it if I was under the age of 18. But at the same time, I kind of have to protect myself because I don't want, I don't want some parent picking up the, the extraordinaries, the YA book for their child. Who's like 15, 14, 15. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, well this sounds like a fun fantasy series. Let's get them the entire Lightning Struck Heart. And then, warping their child's fragile little mind when there's scenes of dragons rimming unicorns and screaming the main character's name is a safe word. I don't want 
to add to the corruption of youth. Don't so, you though? Well, I mean, I in in a professional capacity as an author who is being published by a really big publisher. No, I do not. But as TJ Clune, the little with the little devil on my shoulder, yeah, fuck the children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why I like you. My conversation with TJ segues nicely into part of producer Angela's introduction that didn't fit anywhere else in the podcast. Angela lives just a few hours away from me, so she came to my house and we recorded hours of interviews, which is why she has and will continue to pop up in several episodes throughout the season. Here she is talking about the lightning struck heart, which, reminder, TJ just said parents should not give to their children. You know, the first book really spoke to my grief and that book to me really does kind of a total wish fulfillment. When you're when you're grieving, he takes you through all of it and he takes you out the other side better hmm. than you started. And I was in a really, really dark place when the lightning struck heart came out. And I read it all at once in bed. I hadn't been out of bed in probably a week. And I laughed through that first chapter. And I remember thinking to myself, I've read thousands and thousands of books that, like since middle school, like clock about a book a day. Not not Mia level of reading. I don't know if anybody else is, but you know, like half Mia, something like that. And, and I thought, I don't think I've ever read a book where I just laughed continuously through the whole first chapter. And I actually, I got up out of bed and I walked across the room to my daughter's room, who was, I think she was maybe 17, 18. And I knocked on her door and I asked her to give me her phone. And she gave me her phone and I immediately pulled it up and downloaded it, bought it again for her phone mm. and gave it to her. And because in my irrational moment, <laughs> I just thought if I get hit by a truck tomorrow, if she has this book, she's going to be okay. Like I really felt that way. Like that's how life-saving that book felt to me in that moment. And then later I realized that I'd given my daughter, you know, a book about unicorn and dragon, BDSM, sex in the woods. And, and then I still stood by it. I well. was like, all right, no, still, I'm standing by this decision. <laughs> Some of my favorite conversations with Clunatics have been with parents. Although if you ask the producers, I basically go into our group chat and say every interview I do is my new favorite, so take that with a grain of salt. But I've loved talking to these parents who share with me how reading TJ's work has changed their worldview and helped them connect with their kids. And Zorn and I got to talking about her kid, and I wanted to share that conversation with you guys because it's actually very reassuring. I, I relate to that so much, you know, having grown up gay at a time when that transition was just starting starting to happen, where mm-hmm. you were starting to see some representation of gay characters, like in media and television, and mm-hmm. how much that made it easier for people in my real life to understand yeah. Who I was. Yeah. You know, There's something like, about getting inside the head of a character that helps so much more with your understanding than just reading a definition. Here's what it is that doesn't penetrate as much as being able to to go through all the thoughts in this character's head and, and experience it with them. Yeah. Because you can't always know somebody personally who can teach right. you those lessons, but we do feel like we know 
yeah. characters <laughs> in the books. Like Definitely. They, they become our friends and they can teach us things. Yeah. I mean, you covered like all the stuff I want to talk about. So like, like <laughs> a pro. So you're, you, how many kids do you have? Is it just, just one. one? Just one? Okay. Yep. Unless you count the dog. <laughs> well, I know some people do. I am not a, yeah. <laughs> I like dogs. We don't have yes. one. So yes, <laughs> you won't catch me calling anything a fur baby quite yet. <laughs> so does, I mean, did the reading of male male romance in general or TJ's work specifically help you when your kid started using, you know, gender neutral pronouns? Oh, yes. And, and it's, their understanding of themselves has evolved in sort of the same way, thankfully, hopefully with not the, the negative connotations that I started out with, but they have identified different ways over the, the past few years. And, and that's where we are right now is with non-binary, but they are a big fan of MM romance as well. And a very prolific writer of MM work and fan fiction and <laughs> nipping to follow at TJ's heels someday. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, th they have devoured as many books as I would allow them to read. And we've done several, we've done uh, some other TJ books as our family books as well. We did the bones beneath my skin and we did movie star. Although I had to edit just a little bit <laughs> because it was a little, the Kubert story was a little beyond what my then 13 year old was probably okay with, especially since they wanted to voice Kubert because Kubert was another character of TJ's that was really helpful to them because they have general anxiety disorder and OCD and seeing a character that had anxiety and spoke openly about it and how it felt and what it meant was amazing to them. <laughs> it's it's amazing how intersectional TJ's characters are. They're not only queer, oh, yeah. they're not only non-binary, but then he also talks about mental health and he talks about mm -hmm. all of these other things that so many of us are dealing with on a daily basis, oh, yeah. but we just don't get to see it or hear about it. And again, it's like w the way that characters can normalize that. Characters in books can normalize yes. that for us in a way that, uh, yeah, is so soothing. So Yes, yes, wow. very and healing, I think. <laughs> What I gotta ask, what is life like for a non-binary kid in Kentucky in 2020? It depends on where we are. We are in Louisville, which is a blue island <laughs> in a sea of red. So there, Louisville is very accepting in general. Most of the people are are very accepting, and and most of the the laws and and ordinances and and stuff are are good but there's a lot of pockets of prejudice and they are not out as non-binary to everyone in our lives especially in the homeschool community there's a, a decent sized secular homeschool community around here but there's an even larger sized religious homeschool community and we have to be a little careful about but the the people that we know personally that are in that category of the very religious have, uh, have not been bad. It's not been, there's not been any negative. There's been some, I don't really believe that, but you do you, <laughs> or I don't really think that's a thing, but I love you anyway, kind of thing. So 
that's good. That's the best we can hope for. And they're not, they're not out to one of their grandparents because that would not be a good thing, but at your uh, but own for, time in your own place. <laughs> and when it feels safe, like that is exactly, yeah, that's the but key. They're out to a lot of, a lot of the people that we're around and for the most part, very supportive uh, that could be the groups that we seek out tend to be very supportive too. But. Good. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. And I, I mean, and I hope that the, I mean, it's the stereotype of course is the American South is not <laughs> as accepting, but of course there are pockets of accepting people everywhere. And I would hope that really, again, once you know somebody and you already love them, mm-hmm. there's a lot that you can, that that can op- be the thing that opens your mind. And yeah. you may struggle with it. And I totally understand that. You know, I lived through that myself, that there's people Mm -hmm. who just need to take some time and then they come around. So that's good. I'm glad to hear that. The interviews I did for the episode about characters of color were so educational for me. And there was so much good stuff we didn't even include. So uh, one of the best bits was this exchange I had with Doc. Yeah. You know, the the other thing that I wanted to um, mention with a lot of TJ's um, characters of color is that they're biracial. I am multiracial. In this country, I am Black. I was, I was born in Canada. My, my parents are uh, from the Caribbean and from West Africa, and their parents are from the Middle East and India. And I have a great-grandmother who's Spanish. Only in America are you identified by your race, in, in, where, in, in places where I have lived and traveled. Everywhere else, you're identified by your ethnicity. So one of, go ahead. Well, I was going to say part of my role in this podcast is to like ask the stupid questions just to make sure we're being super clear. Can you explain what the difference is between race and ethnicity? So for, for me, race is about color, especially how we define it in America. So I see a person who is Brown and there are white people, for folks who have met me, there are white people darker than me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm identified as Black because of my skin tone and my features, my facial features, and, and my body type. When I say ethnicity, I'm talking about the culture, the food, the music, the language that you grow up in. And so even though Canada is also a melting pot, in Canada... I would identify more strongly with my Caribbean and West African roots as a Trinidadian and as a Sierra Leonean. And that's how I grew up. I moved here when I was in elementary school. I moved to the States. And that's when I realized that, oh, I'm Black. Not that I didn't know the color of my skin, but there is this otherness. And it's another reason why I like that he uses the word Black and not African-American, because not all who are Black are African-American. And whether he, I, I don't know that that's intentional for him, but for those of us who are in the diaspora, of the diaspora, and when I say diaspora, meaning people who have origins in folks who were enslaved and transported all over the world are Black, but they may not be African-American and have an African-American experience. Yeah. And that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I want to end on a happy note, and who doesn't love hearing people say nice things about them? So here's some of my conversation with Michael Leslie and Greg Tremblay, in which we talk about you guys. 
So I was introduced to Clun- the Clunatics Facebook group by TJ after, I, I don't know, it-, it was somewhere down the line. And it's like, it's a combination of being introduced to that group and uh, GRL as an experience that it is so gratifying to talk to people face to face and for people to talk about how you know sometimes i perceive this job as not being important and then i can rationalize its importance by people that have like jobs that i view as important <laughs> talking about <laughs> the experience of our books relieving them you know from stress or bringing joy to their lives it is a, like a truly legitimate it, it just brings me a lot of happiness to get that kind of feedback and it really resonates for when, you know, like what Greg was saying about not performing for the authors, performing for the fans. I think often about like specific clunatics when I'm doing a TJ Clune book and how they will specifically react to a line delivery, for instance. And yeah, it, it, it really like puts me, puts a lot of energy into my uh, motivation to do well. You know, especially if we're doing if we're doing a fixed rate, uh, which is more often than not uh, how we're doing it. It's like when it comes down to it, you know, we're on the clock. And so any like extra work that you're really putting forward, that's that's up to you. That's like extra credit. I, I know this sounds so like economically driven, but, you know, like the hard brass backs, like sometimes it kind of is. I really feel good about putting in that extra effort sometimes just for the pure. The pure desire to impress to like catch someone off guard i really like subverting for instance some line deliveries like like i feel like jokes can be made out of line deliveries that weren't expected to be funny suddenly changing because you've toyed with it so much you know and suddenly you've like found something that's that's new and there i don't know and i i really look forward to i really look forward to my interactions with people and and the clunatics facebook page has been like if it wasn't for that, there's no way I'd be on Facebook. <laughs> it's a, it's, it is like the only crucial thing about that site. And it is such a good community. Like people are so supportive and kind and, and it's like, it's not just cheerleading. It's very thoughtful. And it's like, for, especially for the toxic environs that is Facebook, it is like a true oasis. And so, yeah. Mm. yeah I don't know, Greg, if you're like in it, but you should join up. I mean, it's a great group. You know, I, I am honestly on Facebook very little. Good for you, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm there, but I, I, for the most part, Facebook for me is a little bit of, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. sort of a work thing, right? I mean, it's a little bit of a work thing. I, I, I do uh, honestly, the, the majority of time that I spend on Facebook, I, I spend in a, uh, in a sailing and cruising forum. So it's it's less and he about means boats, guys. I do He's mean talking boats, about yes, boats. I, I, oh I yeah. Boats. <laughs> um, yes, I, I I always have to the dark side of Facebook. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the marketplace, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's the the the, the th- so thumbs up means a whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> Liked. <laughs> I totally relate to what you're saying, Michael, about just like the Clunatics fans being a great motivator for getting work done. And I mean, it's not always the case. Like I, I love TJ's work for TJ's work, but sometimes it's also just fun to think about like, Oh, I can't wait for somebody to hear this because you know, you'll get that feedback eventually. I mean, it's why over the last month you and I and Derek just like recorded a 
a free short story that we put out in this podcast feed purely for fun. You, well, you may have done it because I pressured you into it, but I did it <laughs> purely for fun. You know, just because I thought what, like, how much fun it would be to see the Clunatics react to it. And you know what? It was. It was a joy to see. No, it was awesome, man. That was so cool. I, you know, I, I felt a combination, I would say, of pressure and for fun. But I, you did such a good job with it. It was just like, I'm so glad that I was part of it. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the podcast, guys. We're so grateful for everyone who shares their feedback with us and the people we see sharing the podcast online or recommending it to their friends. We're so, so grateful. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. Can't wait to share that with you. Mwah.